Welcome to our Climate Change 101 series in which we will explain climate terminology and relevant developments to provide you with a good foundation of the legal climate change space. Uh, in this session, we will talk to you about greenwashing. What is it? Why is it a big deal? What are some practical tips to avoid it? Uh, taking a step back, it's important to emphasize the enormous pressure companies of all stripes are now under, from investors, customers, employees, regulators, and other stakeholders, to develop more robust and immediate plans for tackling environmental and social externalities associated with their businesses, including climate change. Uh, but in communicating these positions to stakeholders, there is a growing risk of allegations of greenwashing, which could damage corporate reputation and increase the risks of litigation or regulatory scrutiny. Companies across multiple sectors, from energy to banking to consumer to others, have been accused of greenwashing in their corporate and product communications. Activists, regulators, and claimant law firms are on high alert, looking to expose what they perceive as a wide gap between what companies say they are doing, the talk, uh, and the reality of their businesses, the, the walk. But what exactly is greenwashing and where is this line between legitimate corporate communications about what companies are doing to address the environmental impacts of their businesses and greenwashing? The unsatisfactory but true answer is it depends and the line is not always easy to draw. Uh, somewhat more helpfully, if challenged in litigation, the, the test would generally be, is the statement an exaggeration or otherwise act to deceive consumers or regulators about a company's true commitment to emissions reductions and other climate goals. Uh, another way of saying it is the portrayal of the commitment greener than the reality. Um, some concrete examples can be helpful to further define what may be alleged to involve greenwashing. One example would be a company touts its commitment to invest in technology to capture emissions, but the investment is minuscule compared to its investments in fossil fuel intensive businesses. Uh, maybe another example, a company touts its recycling efforts, but continues to use fossil fuels to meet its energy needs. A third example, a company pledges to hit certain emission reduction targets, but hasn't put in place plans for achieving these targets and is not on any sort of realistic path to meet them. And then sort of a final example, a company describes its products as quote green, but there are some elements that are not low carbon, net zero, or have other environmental impacts. Another complicating aspect of this is that words like green and eco-friendly uh, don't have a scientifically agreed upon meaning. Uh, so a company that touts its quote greenness faces risks of litigation uh, for portraying in an exaggerated and deceptive way its commitments to reducing the environmental and climate aspects of its business. You know, what is clear is that the pressure on businesses to, on the one hand, demonstrate their ESG bona fides will continue, while on the other hand, regulators, climate activists, and litigants will continue to carefully parse through ESG statements uh, to see if these statements portray commitments in a false, misleading, or exaggerated way. And hopefully, as, as uh, this podcast sort of demonstrates, while no path is risk-free and these lines are uh, hard to determine, Companies would do well, uh, in our view, in, in negotiating these tensions to keep a few key principles in mind. Uh, and I have a list here. So number one, adhere to green guidelines like those put forward by the US FDA where applicable. Uh, number two, avoid vague or overbroad terms like eco-friendly or green, 
which could be susceptible to claims of greenwashing. Uh, number three, avoid claims that could be perceived to be exaggerated commitments. Again, touting emission reductions where the reductions are fairly minimal. Uh, number four, watch out for trade-offs that lead an otherwise true and laudable claim to be deemed greenwashing. Example here, maybe using less plastic when this requires increased use of fossil fuels to achieve. Uh, number five, keep good evidence and records to substantiate your claims if ever challenged, both on the substance of the claims, but also on the process uh, that the company used to, to get there. Number six, enlist the help of third-party verification services to again support claims if ever challenged. Uh, number seven, related, if using third-party green certifications, do proper due diligence to ensure these come from uh, reputable and credible sources. And then last and finally, enlist the help of lawyers, uh, in-house and or external counsel to stress test ESG communications for potential greenwashing. And really to sort of look at them from the perspective of how might a claimant firm or regulator view the communication? Will they view it uh, as an exaggerated commitment? And where you can identify that, look where possible to dial back the language uh, in order to reduce the risk of greenwashing claims or allegations. So that's sort of you know, a five minute overview of the topic of greenwashing and some of the legal context in which it plays out. Uh, thank you for listening and do make sure to check out some of our other recordings uh, within our Climate Change 101 series. Thank you.